Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. On July 24th, 1997, a young 24-year-old left to run errands for the house that her and her husband had just purchased and were going to move into. She was seen at a local photo shop at approximately 2.30 p.m. that afternoon. Employees at the store said she seemed to be in a hurry and looked at her watch several times. But she was never seen again. This is the story of the disappearance of Amy Rowe Bechtel. Amy Rowe Bechtel was born Amy Joy Rowe on August 4th, 1972. And Amy's dad, Dwayne Rowe, worked as a city administrator. Now, Dwayne tended to like his alcohol, and he was a chain smoker. But he gave up his drinking habit when Amy and her three siblings were young children. Now, Amy's mother, Joanne Rowe, taught physical disabled children for years before cutting back on her hours and becoming a substitute teacher. Now, both Dwayne and Joanne described their daughter as a thoughtful, hyper-focused girl who fell in love with running when she was in the sixth grade. Now, she wasn't the best runner at first, but her passion for the activity propelled her into the spotlight in college. Now, as a student at the University of Wyoming, Amy became captain of the cross-country and track teams and was named to the Western Athletic Conference All-Star Team. Mm, Kind of reminds me of my history in swimming, huh? Your history? Yeah. You suck at <laughs> So to this day, Amy, get this, Amy still holds the UW record in the 3,000 meter. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Now, after college, Amy continued to compete in regional and national competitions, including the 1996 Boston Marathon. Now, Amy dreamed of qualifying for the 2000 Olympics. You see what I did there? I see what you did. <laughs> because we're in Olympic season. Yeah, we're you Olympic season. <laughs> Are you going to say your fun fact about the Olympics? Fun fact. I hate the Olympics, you guys. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like Everybody <laughs> enjoys the Olympics. I don't. I'm the one exception. The competition <laughs> and Alina Mm-mm. just hates it. I don't want to hear it in the background. I don't want to know anything about it. Nothing. Let's move on. Now, at the time of her disappearance, Amy was working as a personal trainer. Now, while Amy was a student at UW, Amy met Steve Bechtel, which he was a rock climbing enthusiast, and the two fell in love and were married in 1996. Hmm. Now, the couple lived in Lander, Wyoming, which had a rugged terrain that would allow Steve to continue his hobby for rock climbing, and it was the perfect training ground for Amy, which to me does not sound appealing to me i will not run to save my life (laughs) you can take me i'm done i'm not running (laughs) i'm done (laughs) you got me (laughs) now at around 9 30 on the morning of july 24th 1997 steve left the apartment he shared with amy to go rock climbing while amy taught her fitness class Mm -hmm. Now, Amy and Steve had recently purchased a house and were in the process of making the necessary preparations before moving in. Mm -hmm. And it was said that that day, Amy had a long list of errands that she needed to run. That included calling the phone company, getting the gas turned on, and purchasing home insurance. You know, all the things that you usually do when you buy a new home. Right. Now, 
When all her errands were done, Amy planned, get this, for, you know, a 10K mountain run. Oh, that's no big deal. Just after the errands are done, no worries. no. (laughs) No. Now, when Steve arrived home at 8.15 p.m., Amy wasn't home yet. So he went to see his neighbors, Todd and Amy Skinner. Now, it seemed like the couple had a close relationship with the neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, So he just went over to go visit. Now, the Skinners seemed to have been making dinner. And even though Steve expected to find Amy at home, no one was immediately alarmed that she wasn't back yet. Because, you know, it was known, okay, she's going to do this 10k mountain run and she had errands to run Mm -hmm. now later when authorities questioned todd and amy skinner about steve and his lack of worry over his wife not being home todd explained that steve wasn't panicking by any means because you know there was still light out and she could have been out doing something and it wasn't anything out of the ordinary for that day Okay? okay yeah which but, makes sense. I mean, it's a long run, so right. If you get and, delayed, you're kind of expecting this. Person and again, to be out it's still daylight, you know. Yeah. But as the day turned into night, that's when Steve became worried that he hadn't heard from his wife. Now, Todd and Amy Skinner decided to get in their car and go looking for Amy along the roads where she was known to go running. Mm-hmm. But Steve didn't join them in that search, so Steve decided to stay behind just in case that Amy would call. Okay, so again, this is all pre, you know, cell phones. So by 1 a.m., the situation turned serious. It wasn't unusual for Amy to have long days, but it was highly unusual for her to be away in the middle of the night without calling her husband. Yeah, absolutely. I think at that point it would be very concerning what's going on. Then the reality set in when Todd and Amy discovered Amy's car pulled off to the side of the road in an area she might have considered a good running spot. And I will tell you what happened when Todd and Amy discovered the car after this commercial break. That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com, forward slash support the show and click on the wine of the club month link and sign up we will earn a commission you can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code holiday 15 to get 15 dollars off any four month club or you can use promo code holiday 20 for 20 dollars off any six months club which sounds like a win-win to me you get to stay home during this covid19 pandemic quarantine by yourself and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. 
Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. Amy Bechtel's white Toyota station wagon was found sitting along Loop Road in the Wind River Mountains near Shushou National Park. Inside the vehicle were Amy's keys, sunglasses, and her to-do list for that day. Her wallet, however, was missing. And since there was no signs of a struggle, Todd and Amy Skinner, they obviously breathed a sigh of relief, you know, believing that they found the car, and then they'll see Amy here soon, right? Yeah, I don't know. It seems kind of strange. Yeah, well, their joy quickly turned into disappointment when they realized that Amy wasn't in the vehicle. Now, by 3 a.m. on July 25th, an extensive search had been launched, and there was very little to go on. The last person believed to have seen Amy alive was Greg Wagner, the owner of the store called Gallery 331. Hmm, okay. Now, Greg Wagner told investigators that Amy had stopped in his establishment around 2.30 p.m. on the 24th. Now, according to Greg, Amy appeared to be in a hurry and kept looking at her watch while she was at the store. Hmm. Now, Amy was last seen wearing a yellow or gold tank top blue or black shorts, Adidas Trail Response sneakers, a Timex Ironman triathlon watch, and a small double wedding band. Okay? Now, initially the search consisted of just Steve and about two dozen of his friends. By day three, more than 100 volunteers were scouring a 30-mile radius. They looked for the young newlywed on ATVs and dirt bikes, on horses, and from helicopters. They even brought in um, dogs, hoping that they can pick up Amy's scent. But none of these searches brought them any closer to finding Amy. It's terrible. Yeah, it was like she just disappeared. Mm -hmm. Now, when it seemed that Amy Bechtel had run right off the face of the earth, friends, family, and law enforcement didn't immediately suspect foul play. Because remember... Her car, I mean, there was nothing that suggested that. Yeah. And so, it, and it did seem like that could be a running spot potentially, or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's weird. You'd think that maybe potentially she could be, maybe hurt herself while she was running or something. I don't know. Exactly. And that's what authorities believed at first because, you know, she didn't go out running in her neighborhood, right? right. She, she trained in the wilderness for its challenging ruggedness. So because of that, police actually thought that she could have been easy prey for a wild animal. If she had fallen, she would have been an easy target for a hungry bear or a mountain lion even. That's what they're thinking. So they're thinking maybe she tripped, she fell, and that's when she became, you know, an easy target. But if she had been attacked by an animal... There would have been some sort of sign, right? Yeah, I would now, think so too. There'd be something. Yeah, I believe that searchers would have found torn clothing or even bones, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe a trail of blood. Something. I yeah. Think. I mean, especially if they're they're looking through a, such a big radius of so many people, I think somebody would have seen something. Mm-hmm. Get this. There was no sign of Amy being at the area at all, except mm-hmm. for a footprint similar to the sneakers Amy was wearing on the trail. 
Really? Yeah. But, unfortunately, it was destroyed before police could match it. Oh, man. So they couldn't even collect it as evidence. Yeah. Now, there was no sign that Amy had fallen or gotten injured while running and was unable to go for help. There was just simply no sign of Amy at all. So, with no leads to go on, the authorities start looking into Steve. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, when somebody goes missing, who do they have to eliminate first? Yeah, it was a suspect. spouse. Right. It's always a spouse. The person that's closest to the person that disappeared, right? So, police started focusing their attention on Steve Bechtel. Now, Steve and Amy had only been married for a little over a year. And the couple had purchased a house. The two should have been, you know, in that honeymoon stage of the relationship. Mm-hmm. But police quickly discovered that that was not the case for Steve and Amy. Really? Mm-hmm. The poli- to police, it seemed like maybe Steve had some issues. So while searching Steve and Amy's home, police discovered journals written by Steve in which he wrote song lyrics and poetry with violent overtones. So some of the entries describe violence against women, and get this, specifically towards Amy. Really? Now, weird. I know it is, right? Now, these writings outline Steve's need for dominance and control. One poem contemplated murder and how a person would successfully hide a body, which is already red flags everywhere, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. It seems so odd. Out of mm-hmm. all the stories, I don't think I've heard of something like this before. Right? Now, when the police informed him that they had read his journals, Steve immediately ended the interview and said that the poems and song lyrics had nothing to do with Amy. Mm -hmm. Now, less than two weeks after Amy's disappearance, Steve lured up and refused to take a polygraph exam. I wonder how that was back then. Like, your refusal to take a polygraph exam, if it was like, oh, shoot, then this dude's guilty. Well, I think that that was believed back then. A lot of the times. I feel like now it's maybe a little more common. Mm -hmm. But during my research, I did read that that wasn't necessarily by his own will. It seemed like he lawyered up and his lawyer said, whatever you do, do not take a polygraph Mm -hmm. test. So the police, in order to try to get Steve to confess, they told Steve that they had evidence that proved he had killed his wife. Now, police also told Steve that they had a witness that claimed to see him with Amy on that day. Now, this witness had claimed to have seen a blue truck driving fast on the mountain road where Amy's vehicle was found. Hmm. The witness said that there was a man driving the truck and there was a blonde-haired woman in the passenger seat. Now, the following day, according to the witness, the same truck showed up at the search site. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So when police showed the witness a photo of Steve's truck, she identified it as being the same truck she had seen speeding down the mountain road. Wow. But given this information to Steve, Steve didn't confess to having anything to do with Amy's disappearance. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, it's a good thing that he didn't confess based off of that, you know, those false confessions. Yeah. He could have fallen for that. He could have given that, right? But I'm glad he didn't because, get this, Phone records actually show that Steve couldn't possibly have been near Amy when she went missing because his phone records show that Steve made a call from his house at 4.43 p.m., which is around the same time the witness said she spotted his truck. Hmm. Yeah. 
and their home was about a 45 minute drive from the mountain road where Steve's truck was allegedly spotted. Hmm, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, so now it's like, good thing he didn't because that phone record alone saved him, right? Right. Now, on August 5th, Steve was visited by an FBI agent who accused Steve of murdering his wife. But along with the phone record, Steve did have an alibi for the day that Amy went missing. On that day, Steve was with a friend searching for a climbing spot, and Steve's phone records that we just talked about supported his alibi. Mm -hmm. But questions remained over whether Steve could have attacked Amy sometime during a narrow window of the time in that afternoon. Now, despite pleas from Amy's friends and family, Steve refused to take a polygraph test. It seemed to everyone that Steve himself was trying to fade from the spotlight, and whether true or not, each day that passed cast a long dark shadow over his innocence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I still feel like, okay, the phone records support his alibi, but those poems that they found, that's yeah, a little it's just, odd. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. But along with the poems, Amy's brother, Neil, had his own reasons for being suspicious of Steve. Okay. So he explained to the sheriff that one night when Amy and Steve were over for dinner, he noticed that Amy had some bruises. And Mm -hmm. when he asked, Amy dismissed them by making a joke that sometimes Steve got a little rough sometimes. Hmm. But her behavior suggested that there was more to the story. But given that this is just, you know, a story that he's saying that there's really no proof at this point. There's nothing to link Steve to Amy's disappearance and or murder. Right. Yeah, there really is anything. Yeah. There's no forensic evidence linking them that, you know, we're aware of. And private journals are hardly any proof that someone has done anything wrong. Right. I mean, they are a little odd, but I guess that doesn't necessarily say he did it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they're just a little suspicious, mm -hmm. but weird. Now, Amy has never been found and no one knows what really happened to her. But there are some theories, okay? One of the theory is that serial killer Del Wayne Eden, better known as the Great Basin Killer, murdered Amy. Now, according to Del's brother and sister-in-law, Del was camping in the Burnt Gulch area near where Amy went running, around the same time that Amy disappeared. Really? Yeah. So, Del attempted to kidnap a family experiencing car trouble a month after Amy went missing. Now, Shannon Breeder, her husband Scott, and their five-month-old baby Cody were traveling along Interstate 80 when their van broke down. Dale stopped to offer help and asked Shannon to drive his green 85 Dodge van. Now, Dale then pulled a gun on the family and told Shannon to drive south into the desert. Wow, terrifying. Right, with a five-month-old baby. Yeah. Okay, but instead of driving south, get this. Shannon hit the gas and turned in a circle, which allowed Scott, her husband, to jump out of one side of the van with the baby. Wow. And then Shannon jumped out of the other side. Almost like distraction. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. So Scott ended up grabbing Dell and hit him in the head with the butt of Dell's rifle. Now, Dell ended up getting stabbed with his own knife during a struggle and left the scene after the family sped away. Okay. Wow. Now, on March 25th, 1988, Lisa was driving alone from Denver to Billings, Montana, where she planned to visit her boyfriend, Cody. 
but she never arrived. Hmm. Two fishermen found Lisa's body eight days later in the North Platte River near Casper. She had been raped, bludgeoned, and stabbed. That's awful. Mm-hmm. The police determined that Dell had abducted Lisa at a remote rest area in Waltman and held her captive in a converted school bus where he raped her repeatedly before beating her and stabbing her six times. This guy is a monster. Yeah, no kidding. Now, DNA evidence was collected from Lisa's body, and in July 2002, DNA showed that Del Eden was Lisa's attacker. Now, the police found numerous clothing and purses belonging to women on his property, as well as newspaper clippings about other murdered women. Really? And the information came from a tip from one of Del's neighbors, who actually spotted Del digging in his yard. Now... The police also discovered Lisa's car, which had been buried and used as a septic tank. Now, Dell was sentenced to death by lethal injection in March of 2004 for the murder of, of Lisa Kimmel, but was given a stay of execution in December 2009 after his lawyer argued that he had been mentally unfit to stand trial. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. His death sentence was commuted to life in prison. Ugh. But even though they have all this on him and he was around the same area where Amy disappeared, mm-hmm. police don't believe that Dell was involved in Amy's disappearance. So they continue to believe that Steve is the only viable person of interest in this case. After Amy disappeared, Steve moved to Utah and he had his wife Amy declared dead in 2004. He got remarried and eventually moved back to Lander. And till this day, there is nothing new on the disappearance of Amy Bechtel. That's so puzzling. Mm-hmm. Such an interesting story, but how could there be nothing? <laughs> nothing. There's nothing. I think that's what's so hard about getting this case solved. Because there was no sign of foul play. And now with, you know, the one person that was the closest to her lawyered up and stopped talking to them. Yeah. So... They have nothing else to go on. Like I said, the last time that she was seen alive was at 2.30 that day. And that was at that Photoshop store. Mm-hmm. And she was she just seemed to be in a hurry, which to me does seem kind of odd. But at the same time, we do know that she had a long list that she had to get through before she got to her run. Yeah, so she could have been like just stressed about all the stuff that she had to do mm-hmm. in order to make it in time and make it back home in time. And then the fact that nothing has been found. So remember, everything was in the car with the exception of her wallet. Her wallet has never been found. Yeah. No clothes, no shoes, nothing has been found. So nobody really truly knows what happened. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at podcasttruecrimeweekly. And please don't forget to support the show by going to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.